Father God, we thank you for uh, this beautiful morning, uh, the rain, just the absolute beauty of the desert. Thank you so much for the coolness. Uh, God, thank you now for time to just uh, hear from your spirit as you teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I titled this message, Union Life. <clears throat> Whoever does the graphics around here, by the way, the last time I, was, I taught here, there was no, not drive-in movie screens behind me. So this is like amazing what you guys have in here. It's so cool. We have like one TV. It's a little bigger than this pulpit. So you can, I can actually, I'm getting cheaters now. I'm getting to the point where I need cheaters. So I can actually read that, which is amazing. But Union Life, it's an odd, it's an odd uh, title. I'll give you that. But I would like to know how many of you guys are in a union or worked in a union. Show of hands, anybody? Worked for a labor union or, or in a union? Where I'm from in Chicago, that's sometimes a, an interesting thing. Uh, union and Chicago have a, there's an association there that's, that's a little interesting. We'll just leave it at that. But the union life is, is what I believe Paul is calling us to. This union that is a lot like a marriage union, where two become one. Where two give up their right so that they can follow. And in, in, a, in a marriage, you've got a husband and a wife, and they agree that the marriage needs to be the thing that wins, not my will or my wife's will. And that's obviously tricky, and that's difficult, um, and we go through difficult times. But in verse 1, I want to read this. Um, Paul says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to people who have committed their life to Christ. He's not talking to people who were like, I don't even believe that, or uh, well, I, what are you even talking about? He's talking to people who have given their lives to Christ already. <clears throat> and one thing that's kind of important to, to note is that this church had some heresies that were being taught, as, as the enemy will always try to weave strange things into any church. He'll try and bring in outside stuff. He'll try and make Christ not enough. And this church was no different. Um, some of the people in this church were trying to teach that the Old Testament was everything. We have to go back to it. That's what we know. That's, that's uh, how, how Christianity was born out of this. So we have to keep the law. We have to keep the festivals. And then there was the Gnostics who would believe, who would teach these people, well, we have special knowledge and you have to listen to us. They didn't, these believers didn't have the, the scriptures in front of them that you and I have. They had a select few things. I don't know how many of them had their own copy of the Old Testament. I think not very many where this church was. But what he's saying is, if you're truly saved, if you're truly somebody who has said yes to Christ, then seek the things which are above where Christ is. <clears throat> seek this union out. Find out. Go pursue what it means to be like unified with somebody. And I want to read this, um, this quote from uh, Henry Ironside, which I love how he puts this, because this is true in our day um, as it was in their day. Since most theological systems failed to explain this great truth of the new man in Christ, few believers have a settled peace, and few realize their union with him, who sits at God's right hand, not only as the head of the church, but also as the head of every man who has found life in him, every believer. Centering our thoughts on Christ, Christ risen in the energy of the Holy Spirit is the means of obtaining the power for holiness. We are called to seek those things which are above where Christ is. Our real life is there. Our truest, best interests 
are all identified with him. Heavenly mindedness is the natural, or should I say, the spiritual outcome of realizing our union with the risen Christ. And we're going to get into a lot of the, the mental aspect of life, the, the things that plague our minds, the things that we think about, the things, the information that comes into our minds. But I first want to, before we read uh, any further, this idea of union <clears throat> is, um, for most people, when they think about union, they think about a labor union or they think about the marriage union. And I was listening to this, this pastor who was teaching, um, and it had nothing to do with his sermon, but he just kind of threw it out there. He was talking a little bit about this, but the sermon was like on a retreat. It wasn't about marriage or anything like that. And he goes, I always tell couples that I, I do premarital counseling with that go down to the courthouse, if you guys are serious, and get yourself a death certificate. And they're like, don't you mean a marriage certificate? He goes, he goes it's the same thing. It's the same thing. And they're like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, now that I have your attention, you guys need to understand that what you're, what you're saying when you get married is I am dying to my own selfish way. And that's what Christians, whether or not they were taught this, whether or not somebody gave them half of the gospel, or they just said, hey, do you want to avoid hell? Well, sure. Well, you're in. Just say, Jesus, save me. You're good. And then no, nothing again, no, nothing ever further. Well, that's not a relationship. That's a, that's, a, that's a misuse of the gospel. He says in verse two, set your mind on the things above, not on the things on the earth. Setting our minds is an interesting thing. Our minds are, they are so amazing when you think about, I was listening to this guy that was talking about how amazing animals are. And he goes, animals are amazing and some of them are really, really smart and some of your dogs are really, really smart and monkeys and, and such. He goes, but nothing has this idea of a soul like you and I have. Nothing, he goes, what man sets his mind to, what people set their mind to is almost limitless. He goes, but a dolphin, an elephant, yeah, they're smartish. I mean, did you watch Flipper? It's a pretty smart little dolphin. <clears throat> Those of you who are younger, you might want to look into when television was quality, like Flipper. <laughs> Flipper was amazing. Um, Gentle Ben, these types of things where they involve animals and raccoons as pets. But we are the only ones that have that. We have a mind where we can um, relate to one another. We have our bodies, of course, our physical, tangible bodies. We, we relate to the earth this way. We are on this earth, and we are like hybrid creatures. We, are, we have our spirit, and we have our physical body as well. And Christ came down and, and condescended for a while, and he had that too. He was able to, to touch and hug and and be around people and eat lunch with them and, and have meals with them. And at the same time, post-resurrection, he had a glorified state where he was more in the spirit, even though they could see him. So I want to stress once again, that we're talking to Christians only. We're talking to people who have said that this is who they are. They said, hey, I am one with Christ. So we seek these things that are above, not just thinking about things on earth. I think we could also agree that there's truckloads to think about in this world. We can, you can have your mind just rattled with stuff. You can be thinking about a million things in a day. And thanks to these phones, oh, you can get 80 gigs of information sent to you, text to you, email to you, whatever. And we can just, we can bog our lives down with, with outside stuff, with just earthly stuff. I love the idea of the, the temporal, which is down here, and then there's a line, an invisible line, and then there's the spiritual. 
And what he's telling us is, hey, even though you're down here, even though you have to trek on this rock until God calls you home, set your mind up there. Put your affections, put your, put your stock, if you will. Wouldn't it be amazing if there was an investment that somebody could tell you about that was 100% certain that wouldn't blow all of the value like Bitcoin this last year or things like just as, as volatile as possible that somebody told you, hey, you want to buy a rental house? Uh, I don't know about a rental house. Then you have to rent to the public and people aren't so nice to rental cars and homes and stuff like that that isn't theirs. And they said, what if I could guarantee you that no matter what, you would only ever win in your investment? 100% no chance that you could lose it. That's your life in heaven. That's what you have waiting for you if you have been raised. If you have been, um, uh, if you have said yes to the, to the Lord, and I would also tell you that he's probably trying to give us another illustration of what baptism does for us. When you get baptized, there's a lot of Christians that I have met over the years, and they're like, I, you know, I never got baptized. And then you, you ask the question, well, why? Well, I mean, I just never got around to it. Some people say that. Some people go, well, I mean, is it that big of a deal? Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. It's a huge deal. Because Jesus asked us to do two things to, once we, once we come to him in faith, he said, hey, be baptized. I did this. I, I allowed my cousin John to do this. I don't know that Jesus had to do this because he was Jesus, but he did it. And he allowed John to be part of it. And he said, I want you guys to do this because it gives you and I a picture. It kind of gives us that day. That's why one of the reasons we don't baptize kids. I mean, like two and three and four-year-old kids. I'm not going to baptize a two or three or four-year-old kid. I want them to like have the experience of like, how did you come to faith? Now, they may be saved. They may, at two years of age, at a VBS or in, in Sunday school, say, yeah, I want, I want Jesus. And my parents are, are Christians and they bring me here. This is great. But I want them to remember it. I don't know about you, I don't remember tons from being two, three, four years of age. Maybe little bits, maybe whoopings that I got. <laughs> Probably remember those pretty well. Or the soap in the mouth, that was a thing in the 80s. <clears throat> but, and some of that happened at school, at the Christian school. Those of you who go to Christian schools, you could be paddled 35 years ago in the schools. I was, many, many a time. But I digress. But this idea of baptism, where we put someone down underwater and we raise them back up. It's a beautiful picture of being raised with Christ, of participating. My spirit, which was separated by being born into a sinful, cursed earth, my spirit was separated from God. I had to come to Christ to be one with God, to be in this quote, union with God. He says in verse three, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. It's one of the best verses. I mean, it's, it's one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. It, it is so true when you really realize that you're, who you really are is safe with him. Who you're, what, what's gonna live on for forever? My spirit. It's safe. You died, Dan. When you gave your life to Christ, you died. You gave up the right. Now you are in him. And now anything that, that comes out of you that's good is Christ's life. What, how I do the life, how I do uh, the Christian life is through the power of the Spirit, the same power, we just sang that song, that rose Jesus from the grave. It lives in you, lives in us. 
<clears throat> we're, we're to be intentionally setting our mind on the heavenlies. And you can set many things in this life. You can set clocks, if people still have clocks that have hands, I don't know, maybe. You can set watches, or you can download the app to set your watch, but either way, it's, it's kind of the same thing. You can set a volleyball, you can set a table. When you do these things, you're going intentionally to go do something. Hey, can you go set the table? Yeah, I'm gonna go grab stuff for over here and I'm gonna go intentionally set this table. We so often spend our lives in our head just rattled with stuff. I know I do. I struggle so much with it. I'm kind of this person that is interested in almost everything. I, I mean, people tell me, oh, you'd be bored to hear what I do. No, 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 tell me what it is. I, I can't even wait to hear what, what it is. Well, I, I, I put stickers on stuff as it comes off the factory. What's it like in there? That is exciting stuff. Are you kidding me? No one's ever told me my job's exciting. Tell me, what, what, is it, what are the employees like around there? What, what kind of a building are you in? I just am curious. I'm a curious person. <clears throat> and because of that curiosity, sometimes the problem is that somebody tells you something that you didn't know anything about, and then you're really interested in it, and then you go research it. And you're like, well, that is really cool. And then you spend, by the time you're done researching it, you spend an hour, and you're like, that's an hour. I'm not going to get back, and I'm never going to become a sticker putter on her or, or whatever, whatever the job was somebody told me about. <clears throat> I know for me that a lot of my life is, is spent up here in my soul, in my personality, in my mind. I love to play golf. You guys, you guys uh, Pastor Pat, you guys have one of the best golf courses I've ever seen in my life. PDS, sorry, Terry, if you're here. He likes the other one. He likes the one on the base. Um, but, but the greens are the best. They are literally the best. You have the best elevation. You have bent grass greens. They're the absolute best. They're so beautifully manicured. I love coming down here. The staycation, the weather, I love it. I love those mountains. So I was playing golf with a, with a buddy of mine who we come down here sometimes. And he was on this hole. This golf course is no longer open. And we love to trash talk each other. I hope you guys know what that term is. It's really not as bad as it sounds. And I'll, I'll, we'll say something, I'm like, you're going to miss that putt. You're, gonna just, you're just going to mess that up so bad. You're going to four putt, which is a horrible thing to do if you're a golfer. Three putts bad enough, but four putts is bad. And he, he, and he four putted it. He goes, you rent so much space in my head. He goes, you got an apartment in downtown Central Park. That's how big the apartment is in my head. He goes, please stop talking to me when I'm putting. I'm like, all right, let's, let's just call a truce. Let's not trash talk each other. And we have largely stayed away from that. This has been many years. But that's kind of how it is, is the enemy tells us something, uh, some, a relationship that you have that's, that's frazzled or troubled or whatever, or a kid says some, one of your kids says something to you, and it just rents space in your head. And you think about it all the time, and you can't, you can't get off it. It's like when somebody texts you something right before you're going like, to like go do something big or whatever it is, like right before you're going to go into a job interview or right before you're going to um, go, go do something where you really need your focus and they text you something like horrible and you're like, why would you text that now? Why would you even say that now? Um, I, had a, I had a guy say something to me horrible um, like right before I went up to teach like, like eight years ago at my, at my church and I was like, why would you have said that right now? Could that have waited 32 and a half minutes? Possibly, yeah, uh, likely. I go, let's do this. 
When you have something that's not so urgent that we have to like, like abandon the building or it's condemned or something or the, like whatever that is, please wait until I'm done and then you can rattle my cage. Then you can rent space in my head. But he's trying to get us to understand that a person who sets their mind on Christ, a person who sets their mind on where they're headed, a person who sets their mind on something that is eternally secure, that that person will not be rattled like the person who does not have that. It's just the truth. I love this idea of the union, though. He said, you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. To go back to that marriage, the death certificate thing. No, obviously, when you get a marriage certificate, you're putting your name on this certificate, and somebody is officiating in the service, and they say, the two become one, man and wife, and they, they are married. They are, they're in this union. They're unified. When you died, when you said I, yes to Christ, you yourself died, and now you live through him. And so you should think about him. It's like being married and never thinking about your spouse. Never. Never talking to him. Never being around him. Just being like, well, yeah, I'm technically married, see? Yeah, but like, do you live with your wife? No, no, I don't live there. I don't really ever talk to her. I'm like, are you really married? Well, there's a document someplace. That's not really a marriage. Well, on paper it is, only on paper. There's a lot of people who are maybe Christians only on paper. There's a lot of people who go, well, yeah, you know, I grew up in, I grew up in the church and went there I don't know, until I was like 10 or 11. Have you ever been back? No. Have you ever prayed since? No. Have you ever considered your faith? Nah. Okay, you may want to think about that. You may want to go back and think about why you would say that you were one. Why would you want to say that you are a Christian? So Paul doesn't spend a ton of, of words on this idea, but he does start to get into some of the things that mess with this idea, and that's verses 5 through 11. So, therefore, you Christians, therefore those in the union of Christ, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. Living in something, practicing something is different. I love to use the idea of, of a, law, a law firm or a lawyer's practice, a doctor, because these people tend to work a lot of hours. They tend to be like lawyers and doctors. It's, it's like that's their whole life. That's what they think about. That's what they do. It's what they practice if you practice medicine. And so if a Christian is practicing, all they are is these things in, in verses 5 and 6. That's all they are. You have to go, hey, have you ever read the actual Bible? Well, well not really. Do you know that right now what you're doing is anti-Christian behavior? Well, Paul says that everything is permissible. Does he actually say that? Does he say something right after that? Because using half of a sentence is an interesting thing, right? You guys could clip something that I say from this service. You could clip something that I say tongue-in-cheek, and you could go, this is what Dan preached about. And it's like five words that, like, indict me, <laughs> you know? I mean, we do, people do this on the news all the time. They just take half of what somebody said. Paul said, <clears throat> everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Okay. Everything is permissible, but I will not be mastered by anything. 
When we think about being mastered by something, we think, I always think about these graduate degrees, master's degree, doctorate degree. You're mastering a craft. You're, ma you're mastering something that you're going to go practice. I don't know anybody who went to law school and medical school and then, and then now they work at Starbucks. Although maybe that's happening. I, I don't know. But it's pretty rare when you find somebody that would spend that kind of money, time, and most of their 20s and then just abandon it and then not practice it. There's a lot of people who think that they're entitled to do whatever they want and they're sort of loosely associated with a church, some church, some Christian group. But he's saying, guys, if you're serious, put to death these things. Walk away from these things. You used to walk in them because you had no power to stop them. Now you do have the power to stop it. But you got a lot of mem muscle memory up here, right? We do. We have muscle memory. We have, we have the issues that we have walked through in this life. We have the things that happened to us when we were younger. And we have, we have things like trauma. We have things like stress. We have anxiety. We have all these things that are a part of living on a cursed earth. And God would say, hey, guess what? Some of that stuff is going to go. Some of it is going to stay, but it's not going to stay once you get to my house. So you only have a little bit longer to, to bear with that. I think when I was younger, I thought that the Christian life was about being able to live a, like, have Jesus and the perfect life. Jesus and the American dream. Jesus and a house in La Jolla, if you know where that's at. La Jolla translates to the jewel. If you've ever seen it, that's a very accurate trans translation. But then I started to, to sort of pursue these things, like the American dream and being wealthy and, oh, I got to figure out how to make tons of money. And a lot of things come in your way. A lot of things get, get in your way as you pursue those things. And sometimes when you get them, you're like, this is, this is not what I thought. This isn't fun at all. This isn't even good. Because on this side of heaven, the Christian has to be about the spiritual thing first, the spiritual business first. I have to think about the heavenlies. I have to be a person whose mindset when I wake up is, okay, God, I'm gonna struggle today. You know this, but I wanna put my focus on you first. I wanna start out with you because then the things that filter through that don't rattle my cage so much. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked, you lived in them, but now you yourselves are to put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. I did a sermon not too long ago called the put-ons and the put-offs. These are the lists that, that Paul says, hey, put this on, put this off. We, we generally speaking, when we think about, about put-ons, think about clothes. Hey, you put on, uh, you're going to go hunting, you put on boots, you put on camo, you put on eye black, all the stuff that you would put on that you normally wouldn't put on for work, right? You would, you would put those off to the side and you'd put work clothes on. Well, he's, he's telling us this because we have the power to actually do this. But sometimes there's the acceptable sins, Sometimes there's like, well, yeah, I don't do that or that, but I do do this. And I'm not going to name, name stuff because that's always a train wreck. But I would say this. Sometimes it's really, really easy in this world to be angry. Maybe even a lot of times. 
If you drive in Tucson, that alone is enough to make you angry. And I'm from Chicago where people treat the freeways like it's a race. Uh, but they know how to drive. In Tucson, you'll just be driving down Grant Road and you'll see a car that is going to turn right. And you're like, they're not going to turn right because I'm so close. And then they go a little bit and then they stop and then they pull out right before you get there. Like, it's like twice as bad because you're like, oh, no, no way they would do that. I will tell you right now, I may struggle with that till the day that I die. It's a real, real struggle. The other thing is the Costco parking lot. <laughs> this is a way to really test if you are in the faith. The day before Thanksgiving, I tell my wife this every year, please, please, let's buy the 80 pounds of butter we need three weeks before. Please, I am begging you, do not send me to Costco the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. It's happened the last two years. COVID, on top of it. On top of it. Like, people are that much more mad than they were three years ago at Costco. And, and guess what it does to me? I become aware of it, and I become, I can either, like, I can either walk away and, and say, eh, this isn't that big of a deal. Or I can go, God, help me. Christ, right now, Christ's life. Christ live in me right now. And, and there are just things in our lives that are going to take some time to work completely out. They may never, certain things may never be completely worked out in this life. But the anger, the wrath, the malice, the blasphemy, the filthy language, put these things off. Don't lie to each other since you've put off the old man with his deeds. The world lies to you. The enemy lies to you. Don't do it to each other. And having put on the new man who is being renewed or who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. This is the hugest thing. I was, when I was reading this, I was like, man, what, what is it about this verse that, that like is, it's like, it, you read a verse sometimes and you go, huh, how much did they really have? How much knowledge did they really have? How many scriptures did they really have? Well, we know that the apostles taught. We know that the apostles, this is probably like a 60 AD, 62 AD. Jesus has been gone 30-ish years when this was written. Paul wrote this from Rome in prison. So we know that some of these people knew actual apostles. There were some apostles living it's in the early 60s, first century. So some of them probably had the Sermon on the Mount pretty much memorized, the greatest sermon that's ever been given. But how much did they really have? I don't know, but... Did Christians cease to be Christians before 500 years back before we got this Bible? No, because there's a relationship. There's a union. I don't need a marriage handbook to have a marriage. I need a relationship to have a marriage. And so they have this relationship with Christ, and he's like, guys, put these things aside. They're distractions. They're rattling your cage. They're taking up space in your head. Put them off. And you've put on this new man. You, you, you're, you're agreeing to embrace the spiritual man that's alive through Christ. That, I don't know if you've ever had this moment, but you can be like super, super mad at something. And maybe you just left Costco in Tucson, okay? So you're already mad the second you leave the gas station alone. <laughs> Who knows what they're doing there? That's like eight, 85 cars long. You can't even, they block the street to get into it just to get gas for 20 cents less. I don't understand it. I, will, I love cheap gas, but... I don't like it that much. I've never, been, I've never gotten gas at Costco in the last two years because of it. I just can't wait in that line. But say that happened to me and I'm super rattled. And then I'm driving and, I, and God's like, just yield, just stop. And I'm like, you're right. 
I'm rattled again for the 8,000th time at Costco alone. And, and you hear something on the radio. You hear some, some sermon somewhere or some worship song, like the ones that we just, and you just go, amen. That's what we're talking about. It's that spiritual amen. It's that, yes, Lord, this place stinks. And he's like, I know, unfortunately, you guys ruined it. It was beautiful. It all looked better than La Jolla before Adam. All of it. Perfect. It's like Sierra Vista right now, all the time. 70-ish, 60-ish. Rains. Rain on the ground. Rain everywhere. You name it. But never hurricanes. Never monsoons. Never any of the crazy stuff. You guys ruined it. Lastly, verse 11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. These are statuses, if you will. These are races. These are things that these folks would have known a lot more than you and I. Nothing else matters. Not where you're from, not your country, not if you're in this religion or that religion, not if you're a free man or a free woman or not. Christ is all and in all. That's all that matters. And I want to... Um, kind of close it with a couple of ideas. These are the things, the things I just read. These are the things that hurt our union. These are the things that hurt our marriage with Christ, if you will. And, and it's, it's something that we have to think about. It's something that we have to invest in. It's something that we have to spend mental space giving, it, giving this type of, of respect to the one that raised us from the grave. Sometimes you don't feel like a Christian. Feelings are... They're, they're just feelings. They're very real, but they don't last. Happiness versus joy, happiness versus peace. When you meet somebody that's, that's uh, truly enjoying their faith, truly enjoying their union, could be young, could be old, you go, amen. There's something different. That person is not rattled by the thing that just happened on the news by the price of gas, by the whatever, whatever, we're, whatever we get rattled by, whatever we are allowing to make us stressed, make us anxious. So a couple of things. The first thing is, if you're a Christian, seek the things above. Seek out Christ. Seek the heavenlies. Seek your eternal home. Spend some mental space there every day. However you want to think about the heavenlies versus down here. When we spend time with Christ and seeking him, we will be in a healthier mental space. Guaranteed. Someone once said, you are what you think about. It's very, very true sometimes in, in, in my heart. Maybe it's not true 1,000% of the time, but when I'm thinking about something and I'm stressing about something, like it's all-consuming. There are people who think about specific things so much they can't ever stop talking about them. There's a couple people that, that have been in and out of my lives, in and out of my life over the years. And, and when you talk to them, the only thing you ever get is one of these three things that I'm not going to mention right now because they're the hot buttons. But over the last three years, I think you know what we're talking about. And that's all they talk about. That's it. And I'm like, how do you sleep at night being this scared about the next shot. There I said it. I'm sorry. <laughs> How do you sleep at night? 
Like if I was rattled that much about that, man, I wouldn't be able to sleep at all. So second thing is, if you're a Christian, you are in a union with Christ. Maybe that's, maybe that's the first time you ever heard that, that term or that word. You are in union with Christ. That's what verse 3 and 4 are telling us. We died and now our lives are through him. We live through him. Anything good, anything spiritual, anything that God Almighty accepts, that's through his son. Christ's life. He is the one that can live the spiritual life. Sometimes the issues, sometimes my, my constant troubles, especially at Costco, it's a reminder and God's like, you're living in your flesh, bro. You just did it again. Come to the spiritual. Come to Christ. And you can let that person in and not be like, oh, how dare they? Just, just pause, just, just yield. If you're struggling or unsure, if you don't know where you're at, there's, there's prayer counselors. Well, I'll be up here after. Love to pray with you. Love to, love to chat with you. But I just want to read this uh, final quote uh, by John Corson. I love what he says. He says, I'm thoroughly convinced from watching people and studying the word that people who are truly content are those who are constantly realizing that this world is not where it's at. On the other hand, those who try to find happiness here are perpetually frustrated. The possessions they purchase are never quite enough. They're never what they're supposed to be. The relationships they form are never as satisfying as they thought. The dreams they pursue are never as fulfilling as they had hoped they would be. Nothing is ever quite right until we realize, hey, it's not here. Fear in Christ is not about here. I believe this is why the Lord constantly tells us in the world to set our hearts on things above. People are bogged down with stomach, stomachs churning, anxiety, brows furrowing, and hearts breaking because they are taking life on earth far too seriously. When a person finally understands that heaven is where it's at, they are, they are free to enjoy life. It doesn't matter where they live. It doesn't matter what they do for work, what kind of car they have. All that is... All that matters is the finish line, realizing that the heavenlies are where it's at. Christ is where it's at. Let's pray. You guys can stand for the last song. Father God, we thank you for a reminder in your word. Um, God, as we live in troubling and perilous times, uh, it becomes more evident every day that your return is right around the corner. And uh, God, we, we pray for that. We pray for you to come soon. But God, we also pray for revival in our country. We know that this country needs you. We know that people need to turn to Christ. And it's in his name we pray, amen.